0: Proverbs three five and six. Does anyone know what it is? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways, and He will make your path straight. Now, this I I really like this verse on a number of levels, but it, it, there's a simple principle in this verse that I think. Is portrayed throughout most of Scripture. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Raise your hand if you trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Honestly, I don't, but um but I but I but I want to. I trust way more now than I used to. Um but he he's he's wooing us with his faithfulness and we're coming to trust him more and more. And as we trust in him more and more and more, what are we gonna do? We're going to not lean on our own understanding. That's right. right? We won't. We won't because the 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 consequence of the fall was control. It's trying to manage. It's trying to to regulate constantly and and produce something that we see is is lacking. Um. And, but it's this control function. But God doesn't work that way. He works out of trust, not out of control. And he says, so when you trust, trust implies like that. There's some change in your relationship, right? So if I Who's ever done like a trust fall? So you've never done a trust fall? If I say, you know, like to my friends, Well, I, I trust you to catch me, but then I never do it I'm not I probably don't really trust them. If I trust them, then I'll do it. That's right. Because oh hey, I'm not gonna they're gonna catch me, so you know, what's the worry? But if I'm worried that they're not gonna catch me, well then I just don't really trust them. Right. And so we can we can figure that out in ways that we relate with the Lord, with our finances, with our relationships, with our circumstances, how we think about them. If we're worried about things, how we come to him and and bring things before him, um, we can deduce where our trust level is. Now, with the Lord, we can, um, you know, in a sense, put him to the test in the sense of being like, well, I don't really know if you're going to catch me, but you know, and then he proves his faithfulness to us when we take risks. And so we start to practice and to learn to acknowledge him in all our ways. So we, we trust him. We don't lean on our own understanding and we acknowledge him in all of our ways. So whatever we're doing, whether we are, you know, walking, you know, with our friend, you know, friends in a friend's group, whether we're choosing, you know, where to live or, you know, what to do with our lives and, um, you know, who to marry or, or whatever it is. You start acknowledging simple things even like just throughout the day. You know, what should I do with my morning time? You know, what should I do this evening? Who should I be devoted to? What should I invest in? You know, what are the disciplines that I should have in my life? As we acknowledge God in those things, trusting and relying on him um, in those situations, it says that he will what? Make our path straight. When, when we're worried about our future, and about how things might go wrong and about how things will be so horrible for us if we do this wrong or do that wrong or if this happens or that happens, we're ultimately grasping control over trying to dictate what lies ahead instead of resting in God and allowing Him to straighten the path. They're very different from each other. Okay, but this is, this is a reoccurring theme throughout all of, of Scripture. Okay, this, this responding to the voice of God, living in this simple every day acknowledgement of god okay and it is simple i don't think it's very complex and i think the simplicity of it is what kind of confuses us a lot of times because we just it's just hard for us when we want to control everything but we see adam and eve hear the voice of god and it's actually that very thing that you know satan comes to to quest to make them begin to question did god really say he starts putting questioning the the trust that they have in him. Um, We see it, you know, Abraham, Moses, David, the prophets, they all have this semblance of relationship with God where they hear his voice, they trust him, and then just like, Tim, you gave, you know, that word, they obeyed what he said because they trust him. So there's the God says, do this. Like, all right, yeah, that, that makes the most sense. He makes my path straight. So they had this reliance on God himself, the very person of God. Um, the the whole nation of Israel was known for having God with them. That's what they were known for. That that his presence was on Mount Sinai and most of the Israelites were too freaked out to go near it. But Moses would walk right up in and then come out and his face was glowing like crazy. Um, But you know, and then his presence was, was manifest in the tent um, during the wilderness when they're walking out. And then later in the Holy of Holies in the temple in Jerusalem. And there was this connection between God that this people relied upon. They relied upon this, this connection, this guidance, um, this very person of God. Um, and then this is exemplified again in the person of Jesus. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John five nineteen. Bat your eyes at me when you get there. All right. So it says, Very truly I tell you, verily, verily, the Son can do nothing by himself. Let's read that again. This is Jesus, the Son of God, God incarnate. He says, The Son, me, God, can do nothing by himself. Nothing, nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does this relationship this contingent thing on being able to to perceive what God is doing and respond to it is the very the very it's like wh- who Jesus is it's like what he exemplifies to the world um but we we have this struggle we have this problem in the way that we we live the way we function, the way we think, um, in the Western world especially, but, you know, all over the world. See, this this relationship, this responding to something that God is doing is different than good philosophy. It's different than relying on our, like, capacity to reason, you know, or to figure out what we should do or could do. Maybe, you know, would be the best thing to do. Because we can formulate, you know, we can dictate, we can regulate Whatever circumstance you're in, you know when you're trying to control the circumstance because you want to figure out how it's going to end before you ever like walk it out the entire way. Has anyone experienced that in like a circumstance, whether it's finding a job, deciding, you know, what major to go in, you know, deciding if you're going to marry this person or that person, you know, you're like, oh, I got to figure it all out before I even begin exploring it. But that's a, that's an emphasis of control and it's, and it's, we're trying to, to To rely on our own understanding to make our path straight, but all it does is it makes everything really, really confusing. So there's a difference here in the way that we should practically live. Um, so when we when we deal with situations, it's okay to think like, well, what sh- what would be good to do? What should I do? That's okay, and that's a good thing to do. But it's also really awesome when we can just perceive that this is what God is calling me into. It's a lot easier that way. We do have principles, and we do have guidelines. And so it's not like, you know, we're we're without cause if we don't hear, like, the audible voice of God. And that's not really what I'm saying. Um, and I'm not going into the details of how, like, this works out. But, but having some awareness of, like, this is, you know, what God's doing in the present moment is, seems paramount to me in Scripture in terms of the way that God's people function. Um... We, I like what my my brother, my younger brother says, John. Some of you know him. He says, "Not every good thing is a God thing." That's right. And and it's true. Um. Not every good thing is a is a is a God thing. Um. Sometimes when we choose to do something that's good because we know that it's good, we actually miss the God thing that He had, um, destined for us to do uh we're ge- we're generally you and i we're generally pretty good intentioned people right we we have good intentions for for the choices that we make and you know how we relate with people and 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 different things but good intentions aren't don't always add up to the right choice or or even the the best conclusion um when jesus left his disciples behind and he went back to heaven. He said, wait. What were they waiting for? You can yell it out. I know it's a really easy, easy answer. The Holy Spirit, who will teach them, will lead them unto all truth, and remind them of everything that he taught them. That's a pretty amazing gift. So they waited they positioned themselves to a place where they could perceive God moving. And he did. He came in a very significant way on Pentecost. Um, John 3, 8 says, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, before we wrap, this doesn't mean that we can just act on a whim without using good judgment or just do anything that we feel inclined to in the very moment, okay? Because most of the time that's just going to get us into trouble. This doesn't mean that every thought you have or compulsion you have is of God. But it is true that when we are following the Holy Spirit, we might not make a whole lot of sense. It might not make that much sense. I mean, think about the people of Israel when they, you know, go in to take the promised land. And they go, they, go, they go to take a city, Jericho, and God says, walk around it seven times and blow your trumpets. Now, for a military force, that makes no sense. Absolutely no sense. But this whole relationship that God had been having with um, Israel throughout their entire journey was one of trust. It was never one of something that they had, like, the capacity to to conquer on their own or do on their own. Even when they entered into the promised land, it was contingent on God's promise saying, I will give it to you, and people decided they didn't want to trust it. And so then they had to wait for, you know, 40 years. Um, And so then they start learning to trust God, and they go to Jericho, and they walk around it. You know, I'm sure they were like, this is the weirdest thing ever we're walking around this fortified city there's probably guards on top of the walls like yelling at them you know like what are you guys doing you know they're walking around you know <laughs> walking blowing their trumpets you know and it probably looked ridiculous they walk seven times around and it's like the whole city falls over it's like oh wow lord that worked you know this this whole trust thing this whole relying upon you and and being obedient to you actually worked but Amen. it pro- But you know, if they go to the next city and they're like, "Well, hey, you know, we walked around it seven times and blew our trumpets. Let's do it again." We're like, but it's not gonna work, because God didn't tell them to. The second time, it was a good idea the first time because God said so. But it's not a it's not a God idea the second time. They're like, "Well, this this worked last time. This worked this way." But we do that. Constantly, I do it. We do it in the church constantly. Our programs, the way we do ministry, the way we talk to people, even the language we use over and over and over again, we replicate something that worked before because we think that it's going to have the same result. Now now thankfully, God's really capable of working with everything and wor- working with all of us. So He normally blesses the replicas that we make of something that was an, it, like a, a God-ordained holy Spirit-led you know, movement or thing or program, and when we keep just doing it over and over again for the sake of, well, we just don't know what else to do and we don't really want to position ourselves to wait for something new, he does bless it and he still produces fruit out of it, but it's not whole and it's not full. And it doesn't bring about the vibrance that God desires for a community or for an individual. We're not really meant to cause things to happen as as the way that we often think of it. Um, we're not supposed to, to do something good because we think that God might like it. But we are supposed to respond to to what God has purposed in and of himself. But um, but that takes discernment and that takes commitment. And I, and I don't even know if I'm the person to really, like, it, you know, extrapolate on what those really look like or, you know, are for individuals. But you can seek those out for you. Um, but when we sit and wait for a direction and, but, or even just when we seek the person of God rather than even his purposes, even though he's going to give us purpose, um, we, we will in, in some ways be set free from this r- religious control and and regulation of trying to cause something, trying to force something, doing something because we feel like we ought to be doing something, and doing something good because we think it's good. So, God can do the same thing twice if he wants. He can do it 550 million times if he wants to. It's okay. But even Jesus, when he healed people, he didn't do it the same way. You know, he'd spit in mud and then he'd have them go you know, take a bath, and um, you know h- it was always different. He was always had a comprehension some some way. And again, I'm not going to say how or why or what that feels like or looks like or sounds like or anything. But somehow he had a comprehension of the movement of God and what God was leading to do, and was able to respond. And then saw the breakthrough. Then saw the connection. Then saw um, the 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 consequence of those actions, the good consequence of those those actions. So, with that being the case, so we see this whole paradigm throughout all of Scripture, this dependence, this trust on God to to do things, and all we do is respond to what he's doing. The greatest thing that we can learn, that I can learn, and that you can learn, is to walk like that, right? The, The greatest thing that we can do is to cultivate... A, a personal relationship with the very person of God to the extent where I have confidence in him, right. where I have trust in him, not my, my not my theology, not my greatest attempts at 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 comprehending and, and rationalizing truth or what I should do in this situation and what I shouldn't do in this situation, but having a trust in the very person of God, with my relationship with him, where I can feel and not feel that's not the right word sometimes you feel it, but know how God speaks and know how he moves to the extent where I can start responding to him rather than to a conception concept concept or an idea does that make sense so this I mean this is a a continual struggle for for me because I mean I don't do it that well all the time and and it's it's much easier to formulate a thought pattern or a concept and follow the formula than it is to rely on a on a God that is somewhat invisible and seems like sometimes he speaks ambiguously but there but there's a there's a reality here of this connection and this trust and this relationship that is so vibrant um and that I really want to to know more and more um so I want it and I want it for you and our heart at communitas is to equip each and every one of you me included to be able to be independently dependent on God yes. uh, we need each other like we're never going to be completely independent but to, to have that relationship and that, that that capacity with God where things only work because he does it and, and, the, and the reason and the rationale for our decisions and our actions are based more on just a good idea or that we think we should do it um and too, too often are churches um, the mediator between us and God. Pastors become the mediator between us and God. People who speak become the mediator between us and God. Worship leaders become the mediator between us and God. And we, we become dependent upon these things in order to relate. And then when we're off on our own, If we're honest with ourselves, most of us can say we've at at times uh, or even now Fail When it comes to just us and god and temptation overcomes us and Frustration overcomes us anger depression what I mean whatever it is All of a sudden when we're alone, it's like oh when i'm with the group when I when I have this thing going What's easier? Well, of course it's easier of course, it's easier to, to want to look good when you have pressure from people to be a certain way. I mean, it's really easy to to put on that that face in, in front of people. Um, and, and honestly, y- you're not going to get breakthrough until you're honest with the people that you want to put a front up with about, you know, where you're actually at. And then that's the only place that you're going to have to actually grow into to this person in this relationship that God wants to have with you. Cause it's a personal thing. It's not just this act like, oh yeah, I'm doing really well with with the Lord and it's going great. Well, you can fool other people your entire life if you want. I've fooled people before. I've fooled myself before. But it doesn't really do you any good. Not if there's actually a, a reality to to God and, and what's going on. But there, there's one mediator between us and God. Who is he? Jesus. He's, he's our mediator. He's our connecting point, right, to, to, to God that, you know, we, we have direct access to the Father through the Spirit because of what Jesus paid for. Amen? And you can access that on your own, by yourself, you know, in your bedroom, in the middle of the woods, wherever you're at. And it takes intentionality. It takes your choice Um, And it's great to be encouraged, you know, you need, you know, brothers and sisters to be like, hey, you know, like, you can do it, you know, this is awesome, this is great. And it is, it's going to be the most joyful, beautiful thing when you start living in this everyday simple acknowledgement of God. It's like called walking in the Spirit or something. (laughs) Actually, I think that is what it's, what it, it talks about. It actually says, if you walk in the Spirit, you won't desire the, or you won't, uh, fulfill the desires of the flesh. Really, when you're trusting God and you're not taking control, you're going to do, you know, what God's leading you to do, and then, of course, it's going to be great. But if you're doubting God's ability to lead you and then you're taking control over a circumstance, well, of course, you're going to screw it up. You will. You'll screw it up. So, we, as a community, Want to to do that? So we've been praying a lot, and um, the leadership team and um, and everyone we we feel this potential shift, you know, of the spirit, and we wanna we wanna follow him. And so, what if the best way to and and we do it already, but what if the the best way to teach and impart this sort of relationship with God, this dependence on God, where you're just you know, sustained and and, and fulfilled in and, and God alone can can be taught because of the way that we function as a community. Okay? So so this is what we're gonna do. Um when August comes around, um we're going to sit. We won't just sit. And we're gonna wait. Yes, that's good. And we're gonna see if something happens. All right, we're we're, we're going to worship we're going to um have fellowship with each other and we're going to love each other and we're going to be intentional and we're gonna pray but we're we're gonna not do anything until we really feel that God wants us to do something so sp- specifically we're not going to teach until we really have a sense of what God's doing in us as a community. That needs to be taught on, and that that God's leading us, and so we're gonna to rise up to to where that leading is, and it's gonna be strengthened, um, and it's gonna be become a part of us as a community and and individually, um, and I think it'll be fun. Absolutely. Um, and we're gonna have we're gonna we're gonna have some more flexibility, um, where you know if we come together and we feel like we're gonna worship the entire time, we'll do that. And that, and we'll, that'll be fine. I, even if we have a, a planned speaker for that, you know, time, we'll just worship the whole time. That's okay. That's if we if we come together and we feel like, hey, like this is a hangout night, we'll hang out the whole night, Amen. and we won't do a single spiritual thing. Awesome. Okay. And that'll be okay. That'll be okay. Um, it is spiritual that that connection that 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 real relationship i know but in the w- weird dualistic paradigms we have it doesn't seem very spiritual and um but we want to flow and we're still going to we're still going to have you know a structure and we're still going to you know you know do things you know as promptings from the lord um but it might look a little different and so the reason why i'm telling you that is just so that you're ready That's awesome, man. and just so that you're aware that when when august rolls around um we're just going to take a little step back. We're just going to kind of wait on the Lord, and we're going to learn together and trust together and respond together. Does that sound fun? Yeah, I think it'll be fun. Yeah, briefly.
1: My heart was so touched, Dan because he is touching on the most important thing of our lives. May I have a quick story for you? I'm 83, I was saved when I was five and filled with the Holy Spirit when I was five. I've walked with the Lord the best way I know for all these years. About six years ago, he made a major change in my life. I woke up in the morning and he said, I am giving you a gift today. You've never had it before. You will never have it again. I want you to appreciate and respect the gift I have for you. The gift of 24 hours. He said, you know what? I have a plan for today. Why don't you ask me to help you fulfill my plan for today? Now, he said, in order for you to walk in a gift of 24 hours, you can't mess with yesterday. Do you understand? Yes, I said. Well, he reminded me after I had a divorce after 40 years of marriage. My husband was great in a lot of ways, but he was a womanizer and it was difficult. And I had some things that were hard for me. When he came to get a divorce, to marry another woman, the Lord caused me to write down all the reasons why I was willing to go through the divorce. Two and a half typewritten pages. Then he said, when he comes to get the divorce, I want you to look him in the eyes, read that list, and say to him, I choose to forgive you. Then the Lord said to me, you have to get rid of all bitterness. I said, I want to, but I can't. Will you please help me? Three weeks, all the bitterness was gone. Then he showed me a huge wicker basket. And this is what, get this now, this is very important. He said, if you can dump into the basket everything that has happened to you since you were born, all the good, all the bad, and you won't take it out again, I will stir it all up and make it all turn out for good. Yes. I don't know how he helped me to do it, but I promise you, I put in that basket everything that had ever happened to me, and I've never taken it out. Now, when I go to bed at night, I go over the day, and I review the day, and I say, okay, what do you want to teach me about today, and I'll go through it all, and then I go into the basket and throw that day in (laughs) so when i wake up in the morning i don't have anything on my back that i am carrying of the past that's the only way we can start a brand new day with none of that on our back but he also said to me you can't mess i won't do do much longer (laughs) But he said, you can't mess with the future either. Yeah, that's right. For pity's sakes, I'm 83. My husband has since passed away, and I have one daughter in North Carolina, another one in Canada, grandsons in California. I do have a brother in Minneapolis, thank God for that. But he said, you can't worry about the future. What if, what if, what if, what if about these older people? Finally, I said, no, sir. I am going to receive your life and your health and me from day to day. I'm going to speak to my body and say, Jesus Christ lives in me. I command you, body, to receive his life, and I'm not going to worry about the future. Let, let me do whatever you have for me to do. When I'm done, just take me in my sleep. OK, yes. now let's get back to today. So, I'm almost done. Okay, so when I wake up in the morning, listen to this. I take plenty of time to sit in his presence. And I say, Father, I don't know what you got up your sleeve for today. But I want what you have for me. Will you please put in my heart what you want for me today and help me to walk with you every single hour, even every single minute with you to the end of the day. Because I have one desire today. I want to make you happy by the end of this day. I want you to have your real way and purpose in my life. Please, will you teach me how to do it? Listen to this. When the Olympics were on, you know what he said to me? Why don't you ask me to be your Olympic trainer? Now, so is every day easy? you got to be kidding. Some days he messes stuff all up, and I think this is going to happen at 4 o'clock, and whamble, that all got changed, and and so that I just have to accept the day as it comes. You know what he told me I had to do? In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. No matter what happens, in everything... I must give him thanks, and I do. And I'll say, I don't know what in the world you got up your sleeve with that. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I trust you. Anyway, I want to tell you something. He is fantastic. Don't try to get everything solved for a a year ahead and your whole lifetime and all kinds of stuff get it down to one hour at a time, even one minute at a time and say I trust you, show me what you want, let's do it together. And last time I was here I did tell you this and I'll quit, he's been telling me he has created everything that's ever been created and guess what? He lives in me and he is telling me I want to create some more, but I need you to cooperate with me. So I'll tell you what, And this 24-hour day thing that you learn to walk with him, walk with him, walk with him, he teaches you tons of stuff. He loves you with all your heart. He knows how to get through to you. Sometimes it's a little hard to figure it all out, but if you practice it day after day, He'll change you, totally change you, and we will be able to do all that stuff you were talking about. Amen.
0: So that is a great example of acknowledging him in all your
2: ways. Next week I'm speaking about honor, and she may not be here. I want to honor her. If you're 83 and you're acting like she is, consider it a success. You know, if... If God gives you the kind of passion, I don't know too many 83-year-olds who can preach like that. And so I just want us to stop and honor someone who is living, who is walking in the Spirit. I want you to stand and honor her. It's appropriate to honor. Give honor, the Bible says, to whom honor is due. So we want to honor her. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for Damaris Faulkner. Thank you for the life she's living. Thank you for the way she's going. Thank you for the example that she is to us. We honor her for her testimony of life in Christ. We honor her in the, in the presence of difficulty, in the presence of pain, in the presence of divorce, putting you first, forgiving her husband, and going on and not being bitter. But walking in grace so that she can spew out grace, not bitterness on people. She gives grace and love. Whenever she comes here, you know that. And so we want to honor her. We want, I want to teach you next week to honor those who, to whom honor is due. Okay. Amen.
0: And Damaris, if you're lacking family in the area, I'll be your grandson. <laughs> <laughs> You probably have a bunch of them in here. That'll volunteer. Um, So, acknowledge him in all your ways. Who needs, it sounds so simple. Oh yeah, I just need to acknowledge God. I think that that's like the root cause of most of our struggles and difficulties is we just unplug. We just disconnect from the vine. We just stop living in this acknowledgement of God. We stop talking to the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, and I'm, you know, I, I understand this, you know, I'm going through the day, and it's like, Oh man, I just went a few hours without acknowledging him. You know? I just spent, you know, all this time with these, you know, kids at work or these and I didn't even like thank God. But when I do acknowledge him, like sometimes we think in our heads, Oh, then I need to be like super spiritual, like and that's what I kinda used to think. And I just need to be like super like floaty all the time and like woo like Jesus Glorious heavenly place. You know, maybe maybe you'll see stuff like that. That'd be awesome. Uh, I think that's possible. But having this rooted and grounded in the love of God, to where we just give thanksgiving in all circumstances, like Damaris talked about, um, and it can be so supernatural and crazy experiential, or it can just be so rooted and grounded in the truth um, of who God is and what He's capable of. So I need encouragement to 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 walk in the Spirit and to acknowledge God on a regular basis. Do you? and and so you can encourage me and I'll try and encourage you and encourage each other um i think we have a song and then we'll and then we'll pray after that Amen, so God, we come before you, Father, remind us in the morning, when we rise, remind us when we go down to bed, remind us throughout the day, Lord, just just touch our spirits, touch our minds, touch our hearts, and just draw us back, draw us back just with love, with your kindness, with your goodness, Lord, just remind us to acknowledge you, to walk with just thinking about you, Lord, just meditating on your goodness and your truth and your word. Yeah. Lord, make our path straight, God. Just help us just to live, just attach to you. We want to abide in you and you in us. That's right. Yeah. Put your hands up and surrender. Yeah. Surrender all. I surrender all. All, all, all. to
1: Jesus, precious,
0: precious Savior. I surrender all, all. to Jesus. I surrender humbly. In- Even surrender, starting it off in a bad key. Amen. So praise the So why don't you just turn to your neighbors right now and just pray about this? Um, whether it's you know you individually and uh, living in that acknowledgement of God or communitas as a whole, um, just talk for a while and then pray for each other. So go ahead and turn to your neighbors right now, yeah. and then uh, raise your hand if you're new, if this is your first time here. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for coming. <laughs> After we have some, some fellowship time and, and a little prayer time we'll we'll just have a quick dismissal and you can meet with Paul upstairs um, and learn more about communitas and hang out and it'll be a good time. So so turn go ahead and turn now and, and pray.